cliffcentral.com. All right, it is time for the Burning Platform. This is what we do on a Thursday. We catch up with all the big stories in the news. We try to get on top of everything that is happening in your world, the stuff that affects you the most. And certainly one of the things that's been affecting me the most, because I live in the municipality of the mayor we're about to be talking to, is uh, garbage and rubbish removal, collections, all of that stuff. The mayor of Tswane, I'm glad to say, has made time for us this morning. There's some mayors, uh, like Guamanda in Joburg, we'll never talk to because he won't talk to anyone. Uh, but there are some mayors who make themselves available for the show and who also are trying I suppose they're level best in a, a very, very difficult situation. I don't know whether he's a, a villain or a hero yet, and maybe he's neither, but I'm thrilled that he's on the show this morning. His name is Celia Brink. Mayor, it's good to see you. Thank you very much for joining us. How are you? Gareth, great to be with you. <laughs> good. So how long have you been in office now? How's it going? <laughs> well, it's, it's going pretty tough. I've been in office since March, uh, and I've had... Uh, you know, 132 kV pylons falling down, a cholera outbreak, mm -hmm. uh, recurring water crises, and of course now this unprotected Samu strike. That's not just a strike, but uh, more of a violent onslaught on our infrastructure and services. So it's going pretty tough, but uh, I'm still here. So you're enjoying it. I mean, it's just it's everything you hoped it would be. <laughs> well, it's it's. You know, you go into politics, you want to be the mayor one day, uh, you don't get to choose the circumstances of that challenge. Uh, and so you just have to take it. It's, it's next level politics and government. And uh, it's important to note that if we have a coalition government in this country, if our multi-party democracy actually works, this is the type of thing that we're going to face in provincial government, in national government. Uh, can you deal with the crises? Can you deal with a heavily politicized civil service uh, and deliver on your electoral mandate? So it is exhilarating, of course, but uh, also quite stressful, I, I have to admit. All right. So, I mean, after the show, I don't mind if you, if you want to come around in your own car and pick up my rubbish, but this is obviously the big story of the moment. So let's get straight into it because Pumi said uh, you didn't do so well in the courts yesterday. Um, and, and now where are we on the strike that you mentioned, where is the Samu strike going to lead? Have you got a, a plan B, C, D? E? No, man, you're conflating two issues. The, this was two days ago. The court order was about something else. But start with the strike and then we'll talk about that. Okay, so uh, in essence, the strike is about the salary increases, which Tswane cannot afford to grant. That uh, budget uh, with 0% salary increases was approved by the municipal council, not the mayor. It's not me who decided we can't afford it. We did a realistic, rational assessment of the finances. The budget was uh, supported by the ANC, our biggest uh, opponent to the coalition. And that included uh, authorizing the city manager to apply to the bargaining council to be exempted from these salary increases. Unfortunately, the bargaining council decided against us, but we really believe that the bargaining council misdirected itself. It, it looked at... Uh, what we spent on salaries last year and the fact that we underspent on salaries last year and then just concluded, oh, but you underspent, so you must have something left, which, of course, uh, cash flow-wise and in the reality that we're in makes absolutely no sense. So we're taking that decision of the Bargaining Council on review. Uh, we okay. believe there are good grounds for that. 
Um, as an aside, uh, I am not aware of any such bargaining council exemption that's ever been granted. So I don't think South Africa is, uh, is uh, quite prepared to do such a radical thing as, as not to give government uh, employee salary increases. But we will follow the process and make our arguments uh, in the Labour Court. Uh, and in the meantime, obviously, the decision of the bargaining council is, is suspended. Well, I don't know why it's just an automatic thing that government employees seem to get increases when everyone else in this country is lucky if they just manage to compete with inflation and most of us are not. Um, so I don't, I don't understand how the civil service in this country, the, the huge overweening bureaucracy that we have, how they manage to just get these automatic increases is beyond me. And it's now just taken for granted. It's like, well, we'll give you 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12%, and you'll just get what you ask for every time because you otherwise threaten us like terrorists with violence. Well, I think that what's happening in Swane is exactly why uh, municipalities and government in general don't want to have a wage dispute with organized labor. You're sitting with a heavily politicized trade union. Uh, Samu is part of the Kasatu Alliance. And I have the fullest respect for trade unions, for collective bargaining, for workers' rights. We have to have that. But because of that additional power of being connected to national government um, and having you know this reputation of if you don't pay us our demands, we're going to trash the streets. We're going to bring waste collection to, a, to an end. We're going to sabotage water and electricity. Most municipalities, who, by the way, can't afford these increases, are just afraid, too afraid, to take up the fight. And, and what I have said, what we have said in Tswane, is that we are more afraid of running out of money than we are of Samu. And we are prepared to fight, to stand our ground, because if we pay these salary increases, within three months, we won't be able to make Payroll. And, and uh, folks, the, the, the irony is this weekend, Samu and Kasatu launched a mass action campaign in the free state against municipalities that can't pay salaries on time, that, that withhold pension contributions. And my message to them is that is exactly what we're trying to avoid in Swane. Now, well, you're in good company, you, you, but you're in good company because even the president has spoken about the fact that he will be cutting jobs. He's spoken about cutting something like 85,000 jobs, I think he's spoken about. And the fact that even for national government, at national government, they are having to reconsider what their salary bill looks like and who and looking very much like they're standing at the edge of the cliff and not being able to pay salaries in the coming months. So you're in good company. That's definitely the situation. And we don't want to cut jobs. We want to protect jobs. Uh, we really do. We, we don't want to, to be in a position where we have to restructure. Um, but then, you know, we're going to be realistic about the payroll, about what we can afford. It's not about this month or the next month. It's about the next decade. And the important point really is that, that salaries, benefits, and those things are not paid by the municipality. We don't have our own money. They are paid by rates and tariffs and, and other charges of residents. And unfortunately, after lockdown, payment levels in Swane and many other places never returned to normal. In Swane, it was even worse because the municipality was placed under administration during lockdown. There was a breakdown of systems and controls. 
but we need to also know and understand the the end of of what our consumers uh, our residents can afford and, and it's not about what can you pay mayor what can the council it's what can the residents pay so you know there, there is an argument about how we fight these uh, these these illegal strikers at this point because obviously i think you would have the majority of residents in the city on your side none of us and really pretoria looks absolutely disgusting and for the first time in ages i drove through town into pretoria north which i haven't done for a very long time i had to go there for a business meeting mm. and i was just appalled at the way that our capital city looks it looks like uh, donald trump once used the term a shithole country to describe places that he looked down on and we are we look like a shithole country when i drive through not just our capital, but Johannesburg as well. There's rubble everywhere. There's rubbish everywhere. There's no self-respect. There's no dignity in these places. And I'm, I'm pissed off as a resident. And it must be very, very frustrating for you to now have to be held to ransom by the people who meant to clean up the city, the people who are paid to do so, uh, and then to have the residents, you know, banging on your door saying like, what are you going to do about it? So, I mean, where do you go? Where do you go with this? Do you do you fight these guys? Do you wait them out? Do you take them to court until they run out of resources? Uh, do we do Margaret Thatcher type tactics and 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 go to the end of this so that we can win, or do we keep letting them hold us to ransom? So let me just say that if we were to buckle, because Gareth, you're quite right, we are being squeezed. We're being mm. squeezed at the one end by folks who. And it's not the majority of our workforce. It's a small group. And I believe it's increasingly an elite who are driving their own political and economic interests. Because remember, if Tswane were to, say, be placed under administration again, there are factions and individuals who will benefit from the situation. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. But if, if we were to be squeezed in this situation uh, and come up with a so-called political solution, you know, that's always the demand. Let's come up with a political yeah. solution then we would have failed the moment and we would have reinforced a culture of impunity and also legitimized violence as a negotiating gambit. So then we can be assured that in future, if there's any disagreement, that it will be resolved by violence. That, that's the, that's the uh, uh, message that will be sent. And that will have devastating effects. So now that we know what will happen, uh, if we buckle, uh, perhaps it's easier for us to understand why it's important for us to stand our ground and to treat this for what it is. And it's not a labor dispute anymore. It is organized crime. We are very dependent on the South African police, and you might conclude that because of that, we're screwed, but we can't. Um, and I must also say we've had wonderful support from civil society, from private security companies who don't charge us a cent but who send out their cars and their patrols to uh, accompany waste removal trucks, inner city cleaning teams. And really, there's been this groundswell of community support. And we can't betray those folks. We can't betray the folks who come to work, who want to work, um, by now buckling to the demands of a, of a small, violent elite who want to disrupt us. So we are going to be applying our own pressure. I spoke to the Minister of Police uh, yesterday, and I said to him, we really need far better support. And it's not visible policing or patrols or any of that stuff. We know the police don't have, have cars in many instances. 
It is crime intelligence. It's intercepting calls, intercepting WhatsApp messages to see where are these folks going to strike next? Who's responsible? Getting arrest warrants. That is how we're going to break the strike. And my other warning to him was, we are in a place with a number of national key points. And if you mm -hmm. think and treat this as an ordinary labor dispute, uh, it is going to spiral out of control and national installations are going to get attacked. Uh, and then everybody's going to say, oh, but why did you not do anything? And it's important now to project that worst case scenario into the future. Uh, mm. Say a, a fuel truck is, is attacked and yep. it explodes in a built up area and, and folks get hurt. But what is the excuse of the police going to be as to why they did not give this the highest priority attention? Well, I mean, you meet with the minister of police and I immediately kind of roll my eyes. Did, did you get anywhere with him? I mean, are, are, we, are we at a point in South Africa where we can still have reasonable discussions with the, the people who are supposedly in charge of these departments? I must say, every time I phone the minister of police, he takes my calls. He's very reasonable. But of course, we understand that, you know, he operates within certain constraints um, within his political alliance. Samu is a member. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would hope that political considerations don't hold him back. Uh, but in the absence of that, I have to, to give the warning that, you know, you think this is a labor dispute between Tswani and Samu. But I am quite convinced that this thing has already been hijacked by by criminals with their own political and economic interests. And this might even turn up, uh, uh, you know, blowing up in the face of national government. Uh, so real politique of this situation is that the situation has to be contained. All right. Put me on. There's so many. No, there's there so many little nuances that I think, and, and some of them you've alluded to the mayor, the fact that it's not necessarily what the city uh, says it can pay. It's also about the residents. And we know that we're dealing in South Africa with, and Tswane being one of the biggest municipalities that we have in the country, you've got a wide ranging uh, <laughs> type of residents. And many of those residents are very poor. And the job losses and the economic situation that we're in, we're looking at an extremely squeezed populace. And so even as, as you're talking about what the city can afford, what the people can afford too is is another thing. And you, you have to balance all of those things out. And I'm not sure if this is a, a winning um, combination. But I don't want us to get too bogged down in, and I knew you and Gareth, <laughs> because it's your city, it's very important. These issues are very important to you, but we've got listeners from all over the country. And one of the things I am most interested in, speaking of uh, the municipality and the fact that you are working in a coalition, is really what kind of lessons you think you have learned at Swane as a DA mayor, councillor, that you can take into your national space and how the coalition could work going forward. Because a couple of weeks ago, we saw some very shameful scenes between Herman Mashaba and Soli um, Simang at the gathering at News 24. Doesn't bode well for people who are even considering maybe supporting the coalition. Yes, and you know, um, I'm sure when when uh, Herman and Solly get get into government, and Solly has been in government, uh, in fact, uh, so he understands all about what the challenges he just, are. 
Sorry, he was ju- he was just re-elected, or or rather, uh, he's he's going to be the candidate running premier for candidate. Premier yes, again. Yes, so he's going to be our premier candidate in Gauteng. And when you face the scale of the challenges that we do in Swane, you mm. sort of get a wake up call and understand that all of the smaller differences are perhaps uh, you know less important. You will be taking over an exceptionally politicized uh, civil service, whether it um, is you know, at provincial or national level, uh, folks are work, are going to work tirelessly to undermine you from the inside. And this is what we've experienced in Swane, the violent fight back uh, against our administration. Uh, and so you really have to have your act together and you have to stand united and you have to understand what your principles are uh, and that those principles will be tested in practice. So, you know, that is the most important lesson. But the other lesson for Tswane, of course, is it's the one city where we have a majority in the council. It's a paper-thin majority where we don't have, say, the Patriotic Alliance who are just uh, in coalition for jobs and tenders. And so there is a measure of coherence. And I believe that Tswane is the one place where we can actually, despite all of these challenges, which aren't unique to the capital city, by the way, it's, it's the one place where we can really model what a coalition government uh, would look like and, and, and to model how it would react in, in incredibly difficult uh, circumstances, which are bound to happen at national level. Yeah, it's going to be a complicated road to navigate. And as you say, there's so many competing interests here that actually uh, we've got to call out people for what they really stand for here. I just just remind us, Pumi, because I didn't see those shameful scenes between Solly ah. and Jeff. What happened? No, what happened? Oh, it, so at News Twenty Four, three weeks yeah. ago now, I think had a, a, a what they call the gathering, and they had a whole lot of panels on various parts about various things happening in South Africa, and they had a political panel, and Solly and Herman were on the panel alongside um, Songezo Zibi. And and this this event happened two days after what was supposed to have been a vote of no confidence in Johannesburg on the mayor, mm-hmm. and the 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 DA uh, councillors couldn't agree with the Action SA councillors and therefore didn't support the motion. <laughs> And that escalated. They didn't support the motion. It didn't go ahead. We still have Mayor Guamamba here in Guamanda here in Johannesburg. And and that translated even in that conversation, which was supposed to have been a conversation really around what South Africa looks like post-2024. And and the two of them couldn't agree and it completely degenerated the entire panel into a, a fight into a bun fight about something completely unrelated to what was even supposed to happen. And I think for and for the audience, rightly so, about 300 people in the audience, horrifying because now we're watching these two um, supposed leaders of this organization who just a week prior had agreed to work together, fighting each other for something that, you know, and it, it just... For all of us watching, it was so like, hmm, I wonder what happens behind the closed doors and can they get anything done? On that note, because that is disappointing, but Maya, you you guys have in Tswane, I mean, I remember there were scenes in the Tswane City Council not so long ago, which were also like just, it's almost like open war in there and people just behaving horribly. Um, is Is there a seriousness about our political leadership in this country? 
or is it really for so many people just venal? And and I don't expect you to um, <laughs> to come to the defense of Twana in this respect. But what Pumi's telling us here, and this is unfortunately the 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 reality that those of us in the public who are expected to then vote in the upcoming elections, what we're what we're seeing is probably part of the reason that people are not taking politics so seriously and they are apathetic and they see so much of this stuff where we see, you know, ward councillors or city councillors like standing on desks and like getting into fisticuffs and all this kind of thing. And, and you had that not so long ago when you were elected. Uh, thank God things have calmed down a little bit. How do you take control of situations like this and restore public trust in the political leadership? If I could just respond quickly to what Pumi said, um, I think the disagreement between Sali and Herman wasn't frivolous. Uh, there is a fundamental issue there, and that is what government you put in place once you remove the ANC. And that might sound like, you know, political bickering. Why don't they just get along, remove the, ANC, the useless ANC chap and put something else together? But it's really important that if the coalition, if this pact, which, you know, is meant to give a compelling alternative, if we replace the ANC, we better as hell be, you know, better than the ANC. Uh, we really do have to be better. And in Joburg, you have uh, the Patriotic Alliance, Gaten McKenzie, which, you know, very popular on, on some of the chattering classes. But the fact is, he essentially operates patronage politics at a level that's almost worse than the ANC. So if you're going to replace the ANC with that and, and invite a guy like that into your midst, into your coalition, you have to understand that your brand, your offer, your reputation, what Gareth spoke about, that relationship of trust between you and the people, that's going to be seriously compromised. So as, as you know, personality-driven, ego-driven as the fights often seem, it's also important for people to understand the considerations there. Now, Gareth, I honestly do believe, and uh, you know, of course I'll say this, but there are good guys and there are bad guys. Uh, and it's not like we go to council in order to disrupt the thing because my government, the coalition, DA Action SA, Freedom Front Plus, IFP, ACDP, we actually haven't got an interest in having first fights. Uh, we want orderly council meetings where the provincial government can't say, oh, you can't govern the city, let's place it under administration. We want to appoint new senior managers. We want to get policies about in energy independence passed. So we don't have an interest in, in disrupting the council meeting. And again, uh, it's not just frivolity. There are very serious interests uh, in Tswane, I believe linked to the ANC and the EFF, who don't want to see that council making progress. Uh, to give you a few examples, if we, act, if we start acting against senior officials uh, in the administration, folks who've been maintaining a culture of patronage and corruption, that's when you're going to see violence in council. It's not... Okay. It's not okay. personality-driven. There are right. actual serious interests being threatened, uh, and that's how especially the EFF uh, deploy their, uh, their guns and, and make sure that they get their, their political agenda served. All right. Well, I mean, what, in that case, what then good, becomes luck the, good luck to you in putting that down. Yeah, because, because what, then becomes the, what then becomes the solution? How, how, does, how does one, because for me as a voter, I am looking to any leadership of whoever I give my vote to, to say, I, I want a solution from you, right? Mm. If you're going to have, and I understand that the fights are not necessarily personality driven, 
But my view is that if you're going into a coalition, have the, the fights behind closed doors. And when you come out into the public, be, at, in, the same, be in the same place. Right. I don't want to see you fighting it out in front of us. What you put in front of us should be what you stand for. Of course, you're going to have the fight. Of course, you're going to have to have the disagreements. You have five people vying for one position at any one time when you are a coalition. Right. So, yeah. But by the time you get in front of the people, you must have your story straight. You can't mm. be fighting in front of the people around that. So what then becomes the solution? Uh, I think you and Gareth speak about related, but perhaps distinct issues. Um, as for the coalition, um, I happen to think that we're in a much better place. Uh, as much as you know, folks see these things and they think these guys haven't got their house in order, we, we are fighting far less. We now have this pact, the Moonshot Pact, and we're discussing policy issues. And, and I believe that we are going through teething problems. This country isn't used to coalitions. We're used to one-party dominance, whether it be right. the National Party or the ANC. But we're making a transition and you have all of these different interest groups who make their own contributions to an alternative. And of course, you're going to have disagreements. You are going to have disagreements about economic policy, foreign policy, personality. And let's go through the difficult spots now, uh, even if it means every now and again washing our dirty uh, you know, laundry, airing our dirty laundry in public. And, and let's, let's make sure that once we're in power, We've had the fights. We know what we believe about China, for example, or race-based policy or economic policy or, yeah. or labor policy. So yeah. I do believe that we're making progress. And if I just look at Swane, uh, we used to have a fight with Action SA in particular after every council meeting. And it's almost as if this assault that is being directed against us uh, is forcing us to stand together to look at the important issues. And I believe what we're modeling in Swan, I don't want to make too much of it, uh, is perhaps a good example for the rest of the country. Touch wood. Uh, things can still right, go well, terribly wrong. You know what? I, I also wanted, wanted to have you on because we always deal with these immediate top of mind crises, uh, first and foremost. But I also like to hear, and I think what's missing so often in South Africa is the vision of what could be. And I think it's really important for mayors in particular because you guys are, you know, at the level of government where you actually affect people's lives, where, you know, water, electricity, basic services, streets, rubbish, all of that stuff actually impacts on us in a way that national government doesn't. What do you want Twana to look like? And what kinds of things would you like to put in place to make it a, a capital city we can be proud of? What's, what's your vision for Pretoria? So, Gareth, the, the most important thing is to get a handle on the finances. The city is in financial ICU, and as unsexy a, an objective as that sounds, it's essentially about getting value for ratepayers' money. And it's not just the folks that can afford to pay. It's also the poor that depend on the cr cross-subsidization of services. Yeah. We have to have our financial house in order, uh, and, and that means getting our revenue collection value chain up and going, making sure that the city doesn't award rotten tenders and i've got to tell you now that the supply chain management division of the city is absolutely rotten to the core and we've got to be candid about that and clean it out and replace it with something that does deliver value the second important thing is cities and municipalities have an essential role to play in making communities less dependent on escom we have to invest in programs to generate our own electricity and procure from ipps and 
as much as you've seen disruption in, in Swanee's council meetings, you know, the one in August was violently disrupted. One of my colleagues had his shirt ripped off from, from, from his torso. Uh, and I think you, you alluded to, to a bit of the, you know, the, 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 just the chaos of that. But that problem was solved by having a virtual meeting uh, on Tuesday. And at that virtual meeting, council passed, despite all of our differences, a report to, uh, to take on public participation, the proposal to lease the Pretoria West and Royval power stations, mothballed power stations that used to operate in the past, to, mm -hmm. to lease that out to the private sector. And together with that, and procuring from IPPs, Swane hopes to, to get at least 1,000 megawatt of, of electricity. And that's about 40%, 45% of our total use, independent from ESCOM, in the next three years. And that's going to have a significant effect uh, for the city and, and our residents. Lastly, it is crucial that we get professionalism and productivity out of our workforce. And that's why the fight over the wage increases uh, is, is so important. Uh, we can't be co-managing the city with politicized trade unions. We can't be having our own workforce sabotaging the city in the run-up to elections because they believe that that will have a favorable outcome. And the way we achieve that is, is by putting the right people in place. We're about to appoint, um, if we can have an orderly council meeting again, as we had this week, to appoint new senior managers, uh, new brooms. And the, the last way that you change a culture is by events, events, dear boy, events. Uh, <laughs> you, stand up to, you stand up to these interest groups, and if you can survive, you grow stronger. So, Gareth, my vision really is for uh, value for money, uh, energy independence, you know, overcoming uh, load shedding and having a productive workforce that serves the people, building a capital city that can work for all of its people that we can really be proud of. Well, I mean, power to you if you're going to achieve any of that. I think people will be on your side. And I think people rally to a cause more because there is a promise of something better coming than just surviving the, 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 the immediate uh, disasters that that Tswane is no, <laughs> you know, it's no stranger to these things. And uh, the capital city should be a place that we can be proud of. It certainly isn't at the moment. And I, I, I just, I always wonder why anyone would anyone would take the kind of job that you've taken here, because uh, it, it's your phone ringing at all hours and and having to put out fires, sometimes very literally put out fires. Mm. And yeah, and was, why? You go, Mayor. I'll ask afterwards. So, so as, as tough as my job is, the, the toughest job is that of a ward councillor. And mm. uh, that's maybe one thing me and the ANC, the DA and the ANC have in common, is we've got ward councillors. Because when the water isn't restored and the electricity is out and the waste isn't being collected, folks phone the ward councillor or the, you know, the township, they go knock on your door. And... Um, one of my commitments is really to support the ward council and to explain to the public that these folks don't, in fact, do the operational stuff themselves. They're dependent on officials. So, yeah, Gareth, it's, it's, about, it's about understanding that we all have a level of involvement in our communities. This whole idea that the government is the service provider, the residents are the consumers, that's a bit of an outdated concept. We're all in this together. We all have a, a civic responsibility, and it's difficult to say that to folks who haven't had their waste collected in, in such a long time. But perhaps it's a way of just explaining that unless we fight for this country, unless we fight 
for our communities and, and the society that we want, then it, there's no chance of us ever uh, of reaching any sort of uh, a place where we can say we've got a capital city we can be proud of, where there's a upward social mobility for the poor, where the streets are safe and so forth. One of the jobs that you also have to do, you know, is untangling a, a web, as it were, that you walk into. You know, there is a mess that you walked into that council with, and there's a huge untangling of that mess. And I think the, the first place and the backbone of some of what you're talking about really does live in the IT infrastructure. And do you want to tell us a little bit about the, the, the IT tender that the court ruled on two days ago? So let me just say from the outset, as I have, Swane's supply chain management system is rotten. And it's important to realize that councillors, the mayor, we're not allowed to sit on tender committees. In fact, we're barred by law from having any role in the tender process. We only see the results of tenders uh, looking in the rearview mirror when those supply chain management reports come to us. But it is our obligation to build systems of integrity, to appoint senior managers who, who don't fleece uh, the, the rate payers and to make sure that there are consequences for this kind of conduct. And in Tswane, uh, Pume, you've got this incredible situation where in the past decade, there's been 10 billion rand in irregular expenditure being rung up. Now, many of that is, is from contracts and stuff pre-2016, the payo smart meter contract, the broadband contract, uh, the fleet contract, contracts which you can cancel them, but there's still a period under which certain services are to be rendered. And every single cent that you spend on a contract that's been declared uh, irregular is irregular expenditure. So 10 years, we've had four or five mayors since 2000 and 2013. We've mm -hmm. had three MMCs for finance. We've had four city managers. We've had two CFOs. And we've only had one head of supply chain management. So you've had all of these people changing their positions, very often politicians taking the knock for all of this irregular expenditure. Uh, and yet there's one person. Who is this person? Still, well, I, mean, I don't want to get into that, but it is an important point, Gareth. Why that not? There must be. There must be Why not? Yes. You can look it up, the, the person's name. No, there, you're, you're the mayor. Just tell us. I mean, it's a name. Yeah, let's let's not get what's into that. What's the problem? What's the problem no, no, with that? I, I, because I don't want to I don't want to compromise labor processes and disciplinary processes by getting into personalities. So the, we the had a whole is, conversation about lists earlier on this morning, and one yeah. of the things that unfortunately happens to a lot of us South Africans mm. is there are all these people and all these names, but the lists are very difficult to come by to say there are ministers that are involved, there are people who are involved, and we we just don't know who those people are. They're very privileged yeah. few who do know. So, so it's our responsibility to act and to make sure that there's disciplinary action. Um, and I don't want to compromise any investigation by saying, oh, no, but the mayor said, uh, you know, this and that. But the, the point is, uh, Pume, that the, the changes inside the administration are essential. And I'm going to give a warning. Once we start acting against these people, the council meetings are going to get even more violent. You're going to see the EFF coming up with even more outrageous tactics to stop council and administration from functioning because there are networks of corruption in the city and we've got to act, you know, with responsibility. We've got to act 
in a way that doesn't uh, drag officials into, into the politics. But Tswane's supply chain management system, our tender system, is rotten. And that's why part of my number one priority, getting the city out of its financial ICU, is a clean-out of supply chain management. And I want to make a prediction that as soon as we start acting there, you are going to get all sorts of accusations against us. Uh, and it's important that the public at least have a forewarning of what is to come. But what can the public do? So yeah. I, I, what, what can the public do? Do we just sit back and wait no. to hear from you? Or what can the public do? In terms uh, of, the, the frustration exists for the public too. So what is it that the public can do? Well, the, the public can expect very clear answers from us. What are you going to do about these irregular tenders? And the city manager and I spoke, and we're going to come up with a set of measures, uh, including calling in the support of National Treasury, uh, so that we have eyes on what is happening in those tender committees. Politicians aren't allowed to sit there. Um, there is going to be disciplinary action, but I want that to come from the hand of the city manager. Uh, and so in the next week, Pume, in the next week, we are going to be announcing some of those measures. And what the public can do is to hold us to account, expect results from us. All right. And if the public have got inside information as to what is going on, please reach out to the mayor. I'm happy to share my details. You, you do not have to comment on what I'm about to say because... I feel like this is the way a lot of people feel about some of the stuff that's going on is they feel that, you know, sometimes you and your coalition partners are playing by the rules when everybody else is not and playing by the rules takes a lot longer and it's much more cumbersome and it doesn't necessarily deliver the result of seeing people in prison overalls that the people in Tswane who really care about the city want to see. And I feel like, this playing by the rules thing is almost working against you guys because nobody else is. Yeah. Why are you? I, I you have a have friend. To, but I mean, like, no, come no, on. I'm happy. To, I'm happy to comment. I've got a friend who, and uh, you know, in his era of of, of township, uh, uh, you know, uh, lingo, said that uh, the DA are the the what the what he calls the Ivies, uh, and we're up against the Pansulas. You know, with a with a clean cut guys and. Uh, we play by the rules, but we're up against a bunch of gangsters. And that's very important, Gareth, to understand. Uh, but also, if we start acting like the gangsters, there is no clear blue water between mm. us and the gangsters. And, and it's a tricky terrain. You've got to be very, very tough. And sometimes you're going to make calls that are going to lose you cases in court or with the CCMA or the Bargaining Council. Uh, you are going to get accused of interference in the administration. But I do think that us playing by the rules is an important thing. It's an important moral high ground, which if we lose that, then it's just gangsters against gangsters. It's everyone against everyone. Uh, and, and it's more difficult for us, but we got to try play by the rules um, and at the same time be ruthless in a, in a very sophisticated sort of, sort of way. Okay, well, I mean, good, good luck. I, I just feel like, you know, people are also they're getting increasingly frustrated and sometimes the rules are just nonsense rules. Uh, there are so many things. I, I listen to how cities managed, for example, and it's just, it boggles my mind that you're the mayor, you are the government, and yet there's so many things you can't do. Uh, who set up these rules and were they set up especially because we just knew we were going to have crooks in place? So we tried to keep them as far from actually executing authority 
as possible. You know, it's like a distributed leadership type of model. I mean, I hear that you can't get involved in supply chain management, which is just, I mean, it's crazy to me. Is this because of corruption? Is that why we have these complicated so, systems? So we, we imported a whole lot of sophisticated rules from Canada and Europe and the United States and so forth. And I think there was really a, there was good oh. intentions behind it. Uh, and and unfortunately, what you get in South Africa is, is very sophisticated legislation, regulations, world-class stuff. A and you never get that really policed. So the good guys abide by the rules. The bad guys ignore it in any event. And every year, the Auditor General goes on about, oh, so much in irregular expenditure, so much in fruitless and wasteful expenditure. But the point is, it is so bloody difficult just to get someone fired. And I don't mean you know, somebody participating in a strike. I mean, a senior manager, million yeah. rand managers. Mm. It is exceptionally difficult in this country to get rid uh, of somebody. Uh, and, uh, and that's what we, what we tie to. The other regulations that make no sense are those relating to procurement, uh, preferential procurement, where, you know, you've got to look at all sorts of interest groups. And at the end of the day, you waste so much money that you don't get value for your projects. You don't get value for your contracts. Uh, so that's a frustrating aspect, and that's something that we'll have to reform. But at the same time, it's very important to stay within the rule of law because that's our moral high ground. Mm, well, I mean, for voters... You know, I think the thing... motivated for voters. We're not going to be, like, running to the polls. <laughs> we think that the people we elect aren't even empowered to be able to make these decisions. It's, it's kind of, it frustrates us more than maybe yeah. anyone else. No, you know, we, is, we've often on the show, mm. we've often on the show spoken about the fact that the, the law is, is a particular construct and that what is needed is people who know how to use the law to get to where they need to get to. And what we're seeing, we've, we've spoken, Gareth, about Rudy Giuliani in, in New York and cleaning up New York and how he went to a law professor to say, I, I'm dealing with mafia here and I'm dealing with gangsters and the law is not sufficient and the way that they operate doesn't work in the way that we can, how do we work with what we have to get them? And that's why he eventually gets them on tax evasion and not, and this is, this is what we don't see here is we don't see a concerted effort that says, if this is the construct of the law and this is what's happening, how do we make the law work for us to get rid of these people? And it's just, it's, it's easy to say, yeah, it's difficult to get rid of people here. But what I'm, also very interested in um, with the few short minutes we have left is Cape Town is is often held up as this um, center of excellence, not just for the DA, but for the country as a whole. Why has it been so difficult for the Tswana DA to import those best practices from Cape Town and, and be able to, to do the same here? Very important question. Uh, and you know, Helen Zilla very often says this because she's she was the first DA mayor of Cape Town. She held together a coalition there of, I think, nine parties. And what her administration did was to change the culture. And really, it is important to change the cult. The organizational culture of government is a culture eats strategy for breakfast every time. You can come up with the best plans and strategies, but if your shared norms, your understanding of what's important and valuable if, if that is out of whack, then, then all of these plans will come to naught. When, uh, when Helen became mayor of Cape Town in 2006, she put together that coalition. 
um, it was at a time in Cape Town, long before CADA deployment and the culture of the ANC had taken root in Cape Town. And if you look at the political history of that place, it was largely the National Party in coalition with the ANC that had had uh, control of the Western Cape. So it was sort of a diluted uh, ANC power there. Whereas 10 years later, the ANC mayors of Joburg, Nelson Mandela Bay, Tswane are removed, and you've got a far more entrenched culture of ANC inside politics, of cater deployment. You've got an entire new generation of managers who have been recruited and promoted based not on their technical expertise, but on their political connections. So what I'm saying is that in Cape Town, the change, the political change, came at a time when the fight back from inside was not nearly as strong as in the rest of the country a, a decade later. The second thing, of course, is that you take over from these politicized administrations. You don't have a majority in council. So Tswane, Johannesburg, Nelson Mandela Bay, even our coalitions didn't have 50% plus one. And then you try to take disciplinary action against a city manager or a senior manager. You try to pass a bylaw or raise a long-term loan. And unless you have a majority in the council, you can't get any of that done. And that was the situation from 2016 to 2021. It's only now in Swane, after 2021, that we've got a majority in the council, our, our coalition. And it's a paper-thin majority. It's a majority of one so if, you miss, if somebody misses one council meeting, potentially, your entire program of government can be taken apart. But listen, folks, I don't want to convey how tough this is and how terrible it is and, oh, the laws. And I am absolutely determined to use what we have to get as much done as we possibly can. Uh, there are institutional blockages and resistance everywhere. And I'm not crying, uh, woe is me. We're fighting on. We're implementing our program of action. Despite the disruptions, we got our energy report through council. So, mm -hmm. so please don't take away that, that this is hand-wringing. Uh, uh, it's just uh, explaining to you the realities and why it takes so bloody long to get anything no, done. I, I get it. And listen, as I said at the beginning of this interview, what I'm thrilled about is that you actually come on here and talk about these things with us because uh, most of these mayors, when we try to reach out to them, are <laughs> unavailable. They don't, I mean, they're, just not, they're not even interested in coming to talk to us. Really, we've spoken to you and we've spoken to Mayor of Cape Town. Um, We've tried with uh, with Ekuruleni, Etekwini. It's not as easy to get those people on, and uh, probably because they haven't got anything to say. They don't really have but any... Those aren't, unfortunately, Gareth, those aren't real mayors because they are ANC puppets. So somebody else is making the decision. The mayor is just the figurehead because the ANC can't agree on whether they want to be in a coalition with the EFF. Uh, and that's why you don't see them. Uh, decisions are made not uh, not by those elected to the positions, but in the back rooms. I mm. have a personal question for you, Mayor. Why? What? What motivated you to take this job? That that is an important question. Before, before yeah, I came I, here, yeah. you know what it is. You were born in Palabowa, which is way worse than Tswane. <laughs> let me go to Tswane, and I'll, I'll, that'll be a better place to be involved in politics. Yeah, in all, all that all that heat just fried my brain growing up, uh, and I suppose now I'm here. Now I was I was in a relatively comfortable position as a member of Parliament uh, before I came to Tswane, but you know. People who are really interested in politics, as I have been since an early age, you're ambitious. You want to take on big goals, um, and you know you want to stretch your your uh, you know what you put out there. So 
this is an as I said, it's an exhilarating job. It's an incredible challenge. I live in Pretoria. I love this place. My kids go to school here. My wife works here. And I really feel that if we lose this opportunity in the city where the coalition has a majority paper thin, where the coalition doesn't have Gate and McKenzie and, and all sorts of other uh, you know, bad actors, if we lose this opportunity, the country might lose something. So it is an exhilarating challenge. We, we might still fail, but uh, far more exciting than being a member of parliament, that I can assure you. All right. Well, listen, we really appreciate you coming to join us. And I hope that you get uh, this, this rubbish thing out of the way as soon as possible so you can focus on that bigger vision we spoke about. And um, yeah, good luck to you. I mean, I, I, could, I would say that to every mayor uh, is good luck to you. We've got a country to save and we've got a country to get working. Uh, and, and anyone who's doing stuff that makes it better is, uh, is worthy of, of some of our attention and, and a little bit of our praise. So good luck to you. That's all I can say. Thanks so much, Gareth. All right. Thank you, Mayor. There's the Mayor of Twine, everybody, Celia Brink, and he did uh, put his, I'll put his Twitter uh, handle on here now so you can also get hold of him on X or wherever else you'd like to get hold of him. And uh, listen, Pums, I mean, you and I wouldn't want that job. It sounds like he's not complaining about it, but he's got his hands full. It's going to be, yeah. he, he, he's busy. He's busy. Let's put it that way. Gareth, before we go, because you said mm. we must wait till this um, section I really want to hear your view on all of the revisionist history and all of the spewing of people's personal experiences post the death of Mango Soto Butelezi. It's yeah, been a very um, <clears throat> it, crazy it interesting. Like there have been some, some very uh, curious epitaphs written in some of the the better newspapers and, and on the better websites that I've seen recently. Of course, Mango Sutu Botelezi was a, was a very controversial figure. And it's a funny thing that happens when people die is people immediately jump to praise. Um, I had a, a great interview with the man. I can't claim to have known him personally in any real way. Uh, not that that would make a single shred of difference. History will write what history will write about him. Some of it will be good and some of it will be bad. But I think Towards the end of his life, and, and I'm not sure if everyone will agree with me here, but certainly my overall impression of the man was that he became, he, he grew into the role of an elder statesman, of someone who had gravitas and seriousness about him. He wasn't perhaps as militant and firebrand and full of vim and vigor as he was during the 90s when Without any shred of doubt, he was probably, as the mayor of Tuana just used the term, a bad actor in what happened around particularly hostile violence in Gauteng, the IFP's role in you know, propping up various aspects of what the old government stood for, being used in some ways. And I think he was, <laughs> he was probably more personally ambitious at that point than he became later in life, where certainly I think he grew into the role of, of thinking more about the big picture. And the IFP became a sensible party that had a massively positive contribution to make across the board. In the beginning, um, he, he was born a prince, for heaven's sake. You know, we, we, we keep thinking that in South Africa, everybody is the same. We're all living in a democracy. But at the time Mongo Sutubutelezi was born, there were hierarchies in place that very much still have an influence on society. 
especially in rural KwaZulu-Natal, in the rural Transkei, as it used to be called, Eastern Cape. And I think that these things are not to be, they're not to be disregarded. Um, Mangosuta Butelezi was a very important name in the story of South Africa. He played a, a, a very important, sometimes divisive, sometimes unifying role. And I'm just very glad that we lived at a time where we could have seen so much going on and where he was such an important role player in all of that. I liked him more at the end, I think, than I liked him at the beginning. If I read his biography. <laughs> or the middle. <laughs> or the middle. What did, you, what did you think of him? I mean, are you, are you at all misty-eyed and, uh, and, and nostalgic about any aspect of, of his story just because you might be Zulu, because you've spent so much time in KwaZulu-Natal, because you know so much more about the internal politics of the IFP? How do you feel about him? What do you think his legacy is? I am not so much about him, but just watching the South Africans in their response has been so fascinating for me. Because if you ask today a 25-year-old even South African, black or white, Zulu, Zutu, any kind, I think in this past week, they have been so shocked to learn that Mangosutu is the bad guy. <laughs> because, because this is South Africa's, we've got such amnesia. We forget. <laughs> so all of a sudden, the, and, and the second thing for me is the realization of what cowards so many people are in this country. Because for the past 30 years, they have been silent about the villainhood of this man. They have allowed him to just continue to become a minister of uh, home affairs, to be the longest serving MP without calling out his shit. The only person, you know, when I woke up and I saw the note that he passed, the <clears> only <throat> thing I was waiting to read was to read Monty Makanya's um, write-up in the sun, in the city press, because Monty Makanya has been consistent about the bile that he has for this particular person and individual player in South African politics. You're to then watch all of the, the, the people come up with all of their, oh, he was so divisive. He was so hateful. He was a, he, he, he was a, a, an apartheid puppet. Wow, 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 wow. And none of those fucking people have said anything. They waited till the man died because they're such cowards. Till the man died because they're such cowards. But also to then watch yesterday at the memorial, Mbuisen in Josie shouting, <laughs> shouting the all of this praise. And I'm thinking, such bullshit, actually. All of them. You know, they they're all just such bullshitters. And it's interesting to see that this is this is who South Africans are. And what the hell day, business? Let me just ask you, what business do Floyd Shivambu and Buisen Glosi have with Mango it's an election year. You every every time there's a no, microphone I, on, when you are a, a when no, but, you are a politician, you, when there's a microphone on, when there is a camera with the red light pointed in your direction, you must use that moment. Did you not see Julius Malema in court freaking out in front of all of the cameras about the the magistrate being late? And then when the magistrate go, got there, he was all a lamb. Yeah. 
It's an yeah. election year. The cameras yeah. are on, the microphones are on. They've got to give us a show. All right. Well, I mean, yeah, I said on, on Monday uh, that <laughs> everybody has to go. Uh, Mango Sutupotelezi had a good innings. He lived a long time. He got to see many things in his life. Uh, whether he was the villain or the hero is never actually, as we said in the introduction to the Tswane mayor, it, it's never actually the full story. It's always more complex mm. than that. Mm. And mm. I think there are many things yet to be written uh, about him and his contribution, his divisiveness, whatever you want to talk about there. But I think at least he was worthy of commentary, which I can't say about very many of our leaders at the moment. There are so many people who are supposedly leaders in this country right now who have absolutely nothing written on their CV. They have absolutely nothing written in to the, 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 the future books that will be written about them. They will be footnotes if they're lucky. Oh, if they're lucky. They won't even be footnotes. All right. But thank you very much to the Mayor of Tswane. Thank you to Pumi Mashiko. Thank you to you. And we will see you next Thursday for another Burning Platform. And tomorrow morning, 6 a.m., for more of The Gareth Cliff Show. Have an awesome day, everybody. Ciao. Cliff Central. Dot com.